You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Time for your view from the C-suite here on Classic Business, bringing you closer to South Africa's business leaders uh, to find out what makes them tick, what keeps them up at night and keeps them going through this uh, remarkable time that we're living in, the old Chinese curse as it goes. My next guest began her career in 1991 at ISCOR as a trainee engineer. She found life uh, comfortable in a hard hat, has worked for BHP's coal and chrome businesses in South Africa, including as GM of BHP's Clipsprite Colliery, uh, the Medique Joint venture between Amplats and African Rainbow Minerals and Anglo Gold. Uh, she joined Anglo American in 2014 as Group Head of Processing and following six years at Lonman where she was uh, Executive Vice President of Processing there while also leading the company's sustainability, employee health, environmental and corporate relations work at various times and then was appointed as CEO of Anglo American Platinum in April of this year, becoming the first ever woman to head a major mining house subsidiary. Natasha Fulyun, CEO of Amplatz, welcome to The View. Good day, um, Michael, and good day, listeners. Now, you did grow up in the gold mining town of Clackstorp, so not uh, too much of a stretch to see you uh, start a career in mining. But I suppose the obvious first question, and I'm sure uh, many listeners would love to know, is how you actually wound up in this completely male-dominated world of mining. Michael, that's actually a bit of an interesting story, and I think there's probably two things that contributed my early decision. The first was um, certainly with my father working in the gold mining industry, having exposure hands-on as from a young age to the industry, really just got addicted to the smell of explosives and um, the energy that that um, these operations have. And I think secondly, probably when a teacher told me that I won't be able to finish a, an engineering degree, so the two of them definitely made good bedfellows for for an early career choice, um, as if you know what you want to do at that age. But I think secondly, the, the question could also be, why did I continue a career in mining? Mm. And I think mining is such an extraordinary industry to be in. Um, it's an industry where we can make significant impact, positive impact. I think where we are as an industry today, we probably have more available to us to really make a positive impact on the environment, the communities we operate in. And as engineers, we've got all the tools to do that. Mining has given me tremendous opportunities to see the world, to work globally and to hone my skills for this role. Um, and that's probably more important than the original decision um, that I made mm. to um, career in mining. To prove someone wrong uh, certainly provides ample motivation uh, when when you're uh, young and uh, and certainly bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You've had numerous roles in the mining and processing uh, side of the industry in a career spanning three decades. You joined at a time when women were not allowed to do some mining jobs. How has the industry changed over the last 30 years? Well, the industry has changed significantly from a time where, as you mentioned, women were not allowed to work underground. I remember early days when I went underground, I always had to go with special permission and a special chaperone to where we're really changing the, the working environment to be more diverse. And I think not only for women, but diversity, a broad scale diversity um, is acceptable and sought after because I think as an industry, we started, we definitely realized the benefit that um, our diverse work workforce bring um, to to develop um, 
long-term sustainable value. That's certainly the one thing that I've noticed changed substantially in the industry is this uh, increasing focus on ESG uh, social and labour plans and the role of mining in the, the various communities in which you operate, uh, and particularly in the South African context. Now, I, I believe you're also very passionate about the role that technology can play to make mining safer and more efficient. Uh, you've received international recognition for the work that you and your team did in your previous role at Anglo-American as the global head of processing on what is called coarse particle recovery technology. Can you just say some practical examples of how technology is changing the industry? Michael, I think it's probably important to understand that we're mining a finite ore body. And because it's finite, I think the biggest portion of our accountability is to make sure that we extract maximum value at with minimum impact and lowest possible cost. Um, our technologies are geared to address strategically important aspects of um, that equation on how do we maximize the value out of our ore body, how do we become more efficient, how do we extract a bigger portion of the valuable mineral, and how do we do that not only at the lowest cost, but certainly lowest energy and water efficiency. Um, we hear a broad conversation currently undergo with all of the mining companies driving towards carbon neutrality, and you can do that in many different ways. The technologies that we're exploring are certainly targeting an energy reduction and water reduction, and coarse particle flotation allows you to break down the rock to a coarser fraction and still being able to extract economically um, at an economic level of mineral out of the ore body in with the fact that you reduce or you increase the size to which you break the rock down to, you decrease the energy requirement and you also, because you've got a coarser particle, by the time you put particles on a tailings dam, your water recovery is better and you mitigate the risk. Um, an additional technology that we're working on is then um, an engineered dry stack that allows you to put these coarse particles on a dry stack instead of wet tailings dams, and it mitigates that risk of having tailings dams as well. In addition to that, I think another an very um, important technology for us is the development of the hydrogen um, economy and specifically using hydrogen in our own business to be to, in our drive to carbon neutrality we are currently developing a hydrogen truck um, which we will power we will power with hydrogen that we will um, generate with our own PV plant, which means it will be green hydrogen. And in that way, mitigating the, the carbon um, or the GHG gases that we're currently um, generating from operating um, our open pit trucks, highly scalable into the industry. And I think importantly, developing the, the technology for wider use in light vehicles, stationary fuel cells, and certainly then, in other words, not only for us as a company, but also an impact for the world in, in going greener. And I think the last one I want to touch on is just the value of data. Um, as a mining industry, we generate enormous amounts of data, and we totally underutilizing. So that aspect of our business and data analytics and becoming more data orientated 
will further drive our efficiency um, roadmap. It's remarkable how much innovation we are seeing in the mining industry. And I think many people often look at mining as an extractive industry and therefore uh, an industry that uh, wouldn't really be focused on things like ESG. But I think it's because of the nature of the industry that you find many mining companies are actually at the cutting edge. Uh, I visited the Amalakleni um, uh, wastewater treatment facility that's dealing with AMD and uh, creating all kinds of positive um, outcomes from that, uh, selling the, the, the water or, or providing the water, I should say, back into the, the, the local authority once it's been treated, creating gypsum as a byproduct uh, through a triple reverse osmosis process. And so you see mining companies really playing a very proactive and positive role. Looking at the PGMs industry, which has really benefited this year from high commodity prices as well as the weaker rand, what's the outlook for some of those key metals that we mine and some of the key demand supply trends uh, and you mentioned the hydrogen hydrogen economy that's got to be a key future market for PGMs. Absolutely Michael I think there's probably two ways to look at it it's the near term um, where we consider the impact the supply and demand side impact of COVID and then the long-term fundamentals so if we quickly touch on the near term and we consider the disruption and the uncertainty early on in the year, getting a little bit more certainty, um, our predictions are that rhodium and palladium will remain in a significant deficit for the next year, where platinum would be more in, in balance. Um, I have to admit as well that these forecasts are very dynamic um, because of the uncertainty on on probably more the demand side recovery at the moment. Um, and the demand side recovery has um, surprised to the upside specifically in, um, in China and in the US um, with, with motor vehicle sales going back to last year's levels and even higher than last year's levels. And as that is about 65% of PGMs are consumed in um, in motor vehicles, that is obviously a big portion of our market. If we then um, put a look, take a looking glass and look into the future, we, with the increasing legislation around um, environmental impact from motor vehicles, we see um, increased loadings um, with your internal combustion engine, but we also start to see a bigger and bigger focus on the change of the drive train from internal combustion engines to hybrid vehicles, hybrid electric battery vehicles, and certainly a, a big focus over the last probably two months on the hydrogen economy. And that will secure a very long-term and a lucrative market for us, and obviously a positive market to play in um, as our product really improves people's lives um, with cleaner energy and cleaner air. And when we talk about hydrogen, uh, we're not talking about the future. Siemens last month announced that uh, it's uh, got plans to build one of uh, the largest hydrogen production plants in Germany. 
the plant's going to run solely on renewable energy, so it's going to be green hydrogen, and it's uh, looking for an initial capacity to produce more than 900 tons of hydrogen a year in the first phase. So this is going ahead, uh, and, and certainly uh, great to see South African corporations at the cutting edge here. Now, Natasha, recently we marked the eighth commemoration of the Morikana massacre. Uh, you were head of processing at Lomond at the time, and I recall that you had to take over the communication and the crisis response to the tragedy after it happened. What are your learnings from that time, uh, that very difficult time in your career? Yeah, Michael, that's probably one of the periods of time in the mining industry that we want to learn and make sure that we never repeat that again. Um, I think probably two big learnings for me. Um, the first one would be just being conscious of the long-term impact of our short-term decisions. Um, very often, um, we do and we are, um, we are required to take decisions with information at hand. But I think as leaders in the industry, we need to be exceptionally conscious of and, and um, risk aware of the, the long-term impacts that our decisions make or that our decisions will lead to. And something certainly that's honing my thinking on the daily, on a daily basis on decisions we're taking and considering what would be that second order impact of our decisions. I think the second thing is um, staying close to our employees. We have colleagues in our workplaces that because of the size of our operations takes quite a bit of energy to really engage with. And I think keeping a very close connection with every employee and every colleague in our business and never allowing that relationship to be replaced with the relationship with um, organized labor is very important. Organized labor has got a very important and critical role for us to play in the industry, but that relationship does not replace the relationship with our own employees. Very valuable learnings, uh, those. Uh, Natasha, I think uh, a doff of the hard hat to you for blazing trails uh, on all fronts. Uh, a real privilege uh, getting to learn a little bit more about um, your trail through a very male-dominated industry uh, and certainly putting South Africa on the map when it comes to developing future industries around the green hydrogen economy. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Michael. That was Natasha Fulyun, CEO of Anglo-American Platinum, sharing her view from the C-suite with us. Uh, and that's also a wrap for this week. My thanks to uh, producer Andres Matlangu and sound engineer Mataba Taba Radebe, the Jazz Lounge with Rod Mitter up next in Cape Town, and in Gauteng, the Full Works with Richard Cock till nine. Good night. <laughs>